0: Welcome to The Hobcast, a weekly podcast from Hobeck Books, an independent publisher of thrillers, crime and suspense novels. Each week, we'll take you behind the scenes of what we do, the challenges and the triumphs, the bumps and troughs of building a new creative business in this pandemic world. We'll hear from the people who make all this possible, the authors, cover designers and editors, and we'll have expert insights from our guest star interviews. Nothing is off the agenda on the Hopcast from Hobeck Books, as we combine trad values and an indie spirit. Hello. Hello, and welcome again to the Hopcast. It is show number 67, and we're just going to pause for a second. Can you hear it? Birdsong, a lovely spring afternoon. We're sat outside <laughs> Hobeck Towers.
1: And you said that, I was like, you oh, know, what am I listening out for?
0: <laughs> the ambient sound of our rural home here in Staffordshire.
1: Yeah, we're sat in the garden, aren't we?
0: Yeah. Now this by is the a,
1: bins. We are,
0: by the bins with the barbecue gently drying out after a good clean. And a
1: lovely an slug trail next to me. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. And uh, where's the cat in relation to us?
1: Um, she's not too far away. She's washing her front paws about uh, a, a good social, socially distanced distance away.
0: Which is wise. We've had a week of COVID here at Hobeck and the Hobcast. And uh, despite that, we have interviewed our guest this week. She also was suffering as well, wasn't she?
1: Yeah, she's recently had it. I think she's had it quite bad as well. So. Yeah.
0: So we're speaking to the author, the blogger, the blog organiser and the director of communications for Spellbound Books, Zoe Lee O'Farrell. Yeah, on the show this I mean, week.
1: she's a, a woman of many hats.
0: Many hats. And two cats. And two cats and, 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 and children and all sorts. So she has uh, many, many, many hats and uh, is a very busy woman. But a um, fascinating conversation. Uh, looking at it, you know, what is a blog tour was the real key question of our interview. Uh, and it, as ever, strayed into subjects unknown.
1: Oh, gosh, we went all around the houses. We're not nor- not, not a surprise.
0: We've been really... <laughs> really out of it this week yeah with.
1: we should apologize actually even for these bits if we suddenly say oh what's it called again oh mm. it's it, brain fog has been for me the most debilitating symptom i can't remember people's names i can't remember what i'm doing i can't remember why i'm in the fridge
0: yeah this is a legacy of our trip to london book fair we did uh, three shows there uh, if you haven't heard them go back to them we've got some great guests some of the big names of uk independent publishing are there as well as some uh, some other figures who were at London Buffet. it was um, a manic event. It was you know overwhelming because we've not been in crowds like that. Being back in London for the first time in two years for me anyway uh, was uh, you know it took it all, took me all back. I mean because we were staying in Shepherd's Bush, very close to where I used to work at Television Centre. Uh, everything has changed in the uh, twelve years since I, I left that office. And uh, the place has been tarted up and the prices have shot up in terms of property. But uh, London Book Fair gave us a legacy, which was catching COVID. And we first saw symptoms the day after we got back.
1: Yeah, it was uh, very po- soon.
0: Yeah, a positive test was... It was
1: three days after.
0: Yeah. And uh, my test this morning was still positive. Very
1: very positive. I yeah. looked at it about an hour ago and it is almost gleaming, the line you've got. <laughs>
0: yeah, it, it, Yeah, it's right out there. So... We we haven't had a great week um, for that reason, but we're still here and uh, we're feeling a lot better today. And we thought we'd just come out into the garden. Now we um, we're on the patio and the is, sun is beating down on us, and it is so lovely to feel the warmth again because we have been stuck indoors pretty much all week. Two of the kids are with us. Uh, the third is self-isolating from us, so yeah. that he can go to Switzerland He's this week. He's
1: going Switzerland on Monday morning
0: to go and visit CERN. Uh, if you've read a Dan Brown, the you know original. Uh, no it's angels and demons i think which which featured cern then you know what we're talking about the large Hadron i think Collider. most people
1: know without knowing that book cause...
0: yeah true okay fair enough i just thought i'd make a literary connection this is <laughs> a, the hobcast book show after all uh, we haven't introduced ourselves so covid victim number one is myself adrian hobart
1: and what is your most strange symptom
0: Ooh, um, that's a really good question because i can't differentiate between the covid symptoms and what's going on with my diabetes because as a result of not being able to travel anywhere i've run out of medic- medication for that so um and all the other things that i have and so it could be any one of those things but basically i would say yeah it's the, it's the old thing of the phantom pains through the legs and stuff like that which has been grim
1: not the green elbow then
0: the greek what is this green elbow you keep talking about
1: (laughs) i'm just joking so for me it's the pains the 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 pains in my legs and i can feel it now sat here all down the back of my legs it's very odd and Mm. even my arms it's almost like somebody has put some sort of stiffening agent in my blood yeah
0: yeah well i mean look to be fair i mean you are very (laughs) for every bit of inflexibility that i possess you you have flexibility um, which makes me very jealous. But yeah, you have been struggling with that. We've had brain fog, the pair of us. And I suppose the worst bit, of course, is that, you know, the innovation and the, the feverish element at the start of uh, of the week, which has mercifully passed on. But this is the second time we've had COVID, we think. We didn't test positive the first time, but without question, that's the same symptoms. So back in September of mm. last year, we, we we I brought it back from a football match and um and we went down with it and it knocked us out for two weeks. I mean we're not feeling nearly as bad as we did then by any measure.
1: No, just just it's a bit odder, I would say. It's a very odd thing.
0: Mm. And it's Easter holidays and it's Easter weekend and uh, it's not really felt very festive. But we've got plans for tomorrow. We'll we'll make the most of it. The barbecue is cleaned and ready to go. And a leg but of That's lamb. so
1: British, isn't it? Ready Getting the barbecue out at Easter weekend. On the, yeah.
0: <laughs> Anyway, um, we'll get to Zoe. Our I haven't guest actually said week. who I am. No, we haven't. I gave you the opportunity and you didn't take <laughs> it. And I don't think you deserve another one. Go on then.
1: Fine. Okay. Yes, I'm Rebecca Collins and we are um, UK independent publishers of the following.
0: Yeah, the company's called Hobbit Books. That's usually how we start that bit. Anyway.
1: They know that by now.
0: Yeah, I know. Of the following. Oh, I start this time. Uh, thrillers. crime oh god where's that one from (laughs) mysteries
1: suspense
0: oh we say with some enthusiasm (laughs) anyway that is what we do and this week we published a new title we'll start the program with the brain
1: fog is coming out no i know i know what it is it's brian price's fatal hate
0: it is brian price's fatal hate it did extremely well on launch and uh, we're delighted with it and there are a growing number of fans for the uh, for the series
1: yes and we've got a blog tour running for brian talking of blog tours um and it's done really well so far everyone's loved it so far and i've heard that the Mm. people viewing the next week as well are saying they're enjoying it and looking for the easter eggs in the pages as well
0: well we'll tell you about that in a moment but let's hear from we're not doing a full interview with brian this week but we are going to hear from him again because of course fatal trade when it came out did feature a big feature interview with brian but brian has been answering our questions.
2: Including the random one. Book two, Fatal Hate, uh, in the Mel Cotton series, starts with a rather boring man called Duncan Bennett, uh, found dead outside the warehouse where he works. But who would want to kill him? He really wasn't a spectacular character by any means. Was it something he discovered which he shouldn't have done? Or did some of his nasty racist friends turn on him? So the crime is investigated by D.C. Cotton and her colleagues, led by D.I. Emma Thorpe. And as they do so, they come across a lot of unpleasantness, some drug smugglings, murders, um, disgusting behaviour by a number of local people, um, and racial terrorism. And against this plotline, there is a young woman who is seeking vengeance on the young men who, who drove her sister to suicide, and she'll stop at nothing to get it. And the two plot lines coincide at the end with a spectacular finale. Part of the book is a competition. I've hidden in the book about 30 Easter eggs. These are references to popular culture, sayings, famous sayings by characters or real people. Um, Could be references to titles of things. And there are 30 or so of these hidden in the book. To give you the sort of thing, an example of the sort of thing I mean, if you look at, say, the Endeavour TV series, um, at various points in the, the programmes, uh, they quote from the Clint Eastwood Dirty Harry film, where one of the detectives said, "Did I fire five? Did I fire six? Do you feel lucky?" Um, there's a signpost to Midwich, an uh, imaginary village created by John Wyndham for the Midwich Cuckoos sci-fi novel, and also references to the great Terry Pratchett. So I've hidden a lot of these in the book and it's up to the reader to discover them. And the person who comes across the most and sends them into the publisher by the 30th of June uh, will be eligible to win a special box of chocolates by Maybrick and Cream containing such delights as Strychnine Surprise, Cyanide Swirl and Belladonna Cream. Unfortunately, this is UK only because of restrictions on sending chocolates and that abroad. But I can assure you they are very good chocolates indeed. Chocolates to die for, you might say. I'm not really sure where I got the idea for the competition. Um, I like the idea of Easter eggs and the books coming out or came out at Easter or nearby. So that was one theme, if you like. Um, I remember the Monty Python sketch about the chocolates, which had things like Crunchy Frog and Spring Surprise in it. And of course the uh, the victim, Duncan Bennett, is found outside the chocolate warehouse where he works. So I guess they all came together and I ended up with the idea of the the toxic chocolates. I think there was also some poison chocolates in one of the the Taggart episodes from a good few years ago. So all these things must have coalesced in my brain and I came up with this rather devious competition. Well, the publication of... Fatal Hate went very smoothly and I'm delighted with some of the feedback which we received already. Um, Within three days we had a lot of really nice reviews on the blog tour uh, from readers and bloggers and and may it continue. It's wonderful that people are enjoying uh, what I've written. The next book, Fatal Dose, is the link-in, if you like, with the chocolates competition. It features a cereal poisoner and some rather vicious uh, international criminals, who, among other things, are stealing cats, but not our furry friends. So it's another series of cases for Mel Cotton and the colleagues to investigate, which they do with their usual uh, blend of bravery and deduction and courage. Right, the, the opposite. So the opposite of my dream job. Hmm. Well, I wouldn't like to work in an abattoir very much, that's for sure. But I think if I was a police officer, there are two areas of work which I really couldn't do. One would be tracking down paedophiles, and the other would be working on the trade in endangered species and animal products like that. I just don't think I'd be able to remain objective enough, and I guess it's rather uh, a miracle and a tribute to the professionalism that there aren't a lot more accidents in police custody, shall we say.
0: Now, if we're going to put an epithet to uh, to Brian, it's the lovely Brian Price. The
1: lovely Brian Price.
0: Yeah, because I mean, all our authors are, you know, it's the wonderful Uncle Bob, or you know, it's we give them some sort of uh, adjective, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah, so Brian, congratulations on the publication
1: oh, here she of is.
0: Fatal Hate. Here comes the cat. And uh, just to remind you, we have a wonderful competition running, which uh, Brian has taken great pride in setting this up. This is a, a unique, I think, in the history of uh, British crime publishing. Within his book, Fatal Hate, so you have to go and download it and get it on uh, Kindle Unlimited if you subscribe to that, or if you have an Amazon Prime account. Don't forget, you can uh, borrow books and, and read them. Uh, otherwise, come by the e-book. But Within that book, there are 30 so-called Easter eggs, cultural references that you need to pick out. If you can list all 30, then you'll be in line for an exclusive box of chocolates made by a master chocolatier. uh, Not from Lint in Switzerland, but nonetheless, even better than that, I think. And all of the chocolates have been flavoured and named after ways of killing people.
1: And we've had some entries already, actually, and I've forwarded them to Brian. And we're not going to name names, but somebody has entered and they've found Easter eggs that Brian didn't actually plant himself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They've been growing. They've been multiplying. (laughs) Well, you know, we will – believe me, we will manage this with with great perspicacity and uh, and, and ethics. Uh, It is running for a few weeks, so you've got plenty of time to get the book and read it uh, until June. But uh, we want you to uh, take advantage – Go to our website, net to find out all the details you need to know about that competition. Right, wider news. We've uh, given Brian a bit of a push. Let's talk about the... Not white... over a cliff. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, maybe off the Clifton Suspension Bridge when we see him in Bristol at oh, Crime Fest.
1: He's not going to want us to come and visit now.
0: No, he, he won't. But uh, we're looking forward to that nonetheless. Not pushing him off the bridge. Going Just to the
1: visiting him yeah. and going to the Chocolatier.
0: Yeah, we love it going. we go down to the southwest country. Anyway, we uh, need to get into some news. And uh, I got this email which really made me, st- I mean, it's, it startled me last night. Uh, I subscribe to Jericho Writers. Now, they're a very successful organization based in the Oxford area uh, who offer a number of services to help you know, people get published and polish their writing and put them in touch with great authors and all that sort of thing, and they run a festival. It's it's terrific, and they're, they're, they're very successful at it. But this email contained um, a link to a video on YouTube where they – described what's happened to them. They've been hit with a financial scam or um, some fraudulent behavior in within their own organization they employed an unnamed accountant or bookkeeper for them. And uh, over the course of a year, 300,000 pounds disappeared. Now they sensed something was wrong. The figures just didn't seem to be right in, you know, didn't ring right. And they were putting off business decisions based on the advice they were getting from their bookkeeper. So what they did was they thought they'd get a second opinion, and they brought in uh, an independent, uh, very expensive City of London firm to do an audit and see if there was a problem. And this company, I won't name them because it's not for me to uh, throw, the, throw the mud, but I'm just telling you what the story is. They gave um, the, uh, the, the internal team member a clean bill of health and said there was no problem. So it carried on. At that point, they lost a hundred thousand. By the end of the time, and they, the arrests started to be made, and the case is being built against this individual, it was three hundred thousand pounds. Now, the company they hired in the City of London have refused to take any responsibility for the, you know, for basically not spotting what turned out to be a reasonably obvious scam or piece of, uh, you know, fraudulent behaviour. So they say, um, and they're not going to offer any compensation or even an apology for missing it. And so Jericho have used a video link, um, which you can go look for, uh, I won't uh, give it away, but basically they want as many people to watch this video to find out how they were affected and, uh, that they think if it becomes a sort of viral hit, will put pressure on the big London firm to actually, you know, offer some compensation and, and, uh, and help them out. Now they're not going bust. They're not in prob- problems and the, you know, they're obviously a very profitable company, uh, but they have lost 300,000 pounds in the space of a year. Wow. Uh, it's a salutary lesson it really is it's it you know god me, we wouldn't survive you know if we lost three quid but no that's not true but you know it, it's that it, <laughs> 300 it's
1: three three hundred maybe
0: three thousand but you know no no i mean you know it's a horrible thing to happen you put someone in a position of trust and then you put another bunch of people who are much more experienced and, and big names and trade on their reputation in and they miss it so the, so the story goes so uh, yeah,
1: because presumably they paid for that, so
0: yeah well, um, you know uh, I, I kind of admire the approach they're taking. They did make it very clear at the beginning of the email that they're not asking for anyone to sort of send money now and save them. They don't need it. Um, that's not the purpose of this. This is their one way of hitting back and trying to get some sense of justice. Um, you know it's, it's a controversial way to do it yeah but it's it's a big blow to jericho writers and i think that you know they, they should take a lot of credit for what they do um it's another organization that is helping people to find their literary voice and get out there of course they make money from from doing so but um from my sort of you know i don't spend a lot of time thinking about them but i think they're one of the better players in in that side of the of the industry to be honest
1: yeah and jericho is lovely I used to work near them.
0: <laughs> you did. <laughs> uh, the other thing we wanted to talk about...
1: Oh, is this about a certain very tall chap who's decided to concentrate on his writing career?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, it's no coincidence that um, this change of career or emphasis of career has been made after receiving a Hobek mug at the Harrogate Festival last year. Now, we can't take all the credit of this, but the story, of course, is that Richard Osman has decided to leave the regular Monday to Friday edition of Pointless. He's going to continue to be a co-presenter with Alexander Armstrong of the celebrity version.
1: But did you see the headline? that just read, Pointless host is going to leave show. Mm. As in, he's a pointless host. Yeah,
0: but that, it's a well-trodden joke, <laughs> isn't it? They play with it all the time. Here's my, you know, pointless friend.
1: Oh, I don't watch it, so I don't know. That's what he...
0: Yeah, so oh, okay. Alexander Armstrong always referred to him as my pointless friend.
1: Oh, uh, okay.
0: Okay. Hello, everyone. Uh, well, Richard Osmond is going to concentrate on his writing career, which, of course, has gone bonkers. Two books out. We saw at London Book Fair, I can't remember the title of it, but, you know, similar cover to the first two, Cream and uh, Red Writing. Yeah, and, same. And a sort of... Sort overall of look. Overall look, Yeah. Uh, which was uh, a big feature of Penguin Random House's um, stand at London Book Fair. So another one coming out in the autumn, and that's what he's going to focus on. He's already a, independently, he's a millionaire, not just from writing. He made a lot of money from creating TV formats and being a, a leading producer. And, of course, he's got his House of Games, and he does uh, you know, Child Genius on Channel 4. He's got a lot of fingers in pies. He just feels that doing five shows, you know, they do blocks of five shows a day.
1: Oh, pointless? Yeah, Yeah, Uh, it's a lot of commitment.
0: And, you know, it's probably pretty repetitious after 13 years. But but presumably that means we're going to get more Richard Osman books.
1: Uh, Probably, yes.
0: Now, my my one thought on this was, how much does his regularity on TV, i.e. every day of the week um, in the UK, actually fuel those sales? Uh,
1: So are you saying that if he disappears off tv at least with that regularity mm. it might affect sales I possibly don't, i don't think so
0: okay we'll see no i don't think so either but you know it's it's certainly we know the power of a tv appearance as we saw with when uh, robert dawes about a month ago was on the alan titchmarsh show yeah on itv which was a you know it's a fairly minor slot 10 till 12 on a sunday morning um well, it was
1: quite rare to find us sat watching TV yeah, at it, that time and, of day. And, and, the, and
0: the 48 hours after that appearance, the, the sales of the, the Rock series shot up for a very brief period, but all too brief period, I should say. But it did very well for a couple of days. It is amazing still how much power television has in yeah. the marketplace.
1: Yes, much more powerful than <laughs> advertising and other ways. <laughs>
0: We ought to, uh, we'll get into uh, what's coming up this week for us. We really don't know is the honest answer until we can get clear of, uh, of COVID. It's going to be hard. But uh, we ought to get to our main feature interview this week. And we are thrilled that we were joined by Zoe Lee O'Farrell. Now, Zoe Lee, um, or Zulu, as she has uh, blogged in the past, is one of the most energised bloggers in the uk but she has in the last year also set up a a new business which is organizing blog tours for authors and as a result of that too she's also published uh, a book as a result of going into the publishing industry i suppose uh ouija which was a young adult uh horror novel and that is going to be republished along with two further books by spellbound who she now works for as the Director of Communications. Yeah,
1: she's a very busy lady.
0: She is. But, you know, one of the things we need to, you know, we really appreciate that a lot of listeners uh, to this podcast, I mean, some are authors, we know that, and some of them are our own authors. But, you know, no one really goes and spells out what a blog tour involves and what it's trying to achieve. So that was really the focus of our interview with Zoe Lee O'Farrell. Zoe Lee O'Farrell, thank you so much for joining us on the Hopcast Book Show.
1: Thank
3: you for
0: having me. <laughs> We're really keen to speak to you. And in fact, because we've always struggled, really, and I think this is probably true for a lot of uh, the people who will be listening to this, to really get to grips with what a blog tour is and what it's set out there to achieve. Now,
1: so, if I may interrupt slightly, one of our newest authors actually asked me the question, because I'd written him an email and I'd rattled off, we could organise a blog tour for you, blah, blah, blah. And he his reply was, what well, is a blog tour.
0: <laughs> so that's perhaps an unfair question to love at you first thing, you know, but I'm, I'm, desperate, I'm desperate to know the answer. We'll, we'll get into other stuff in a minute, but let's, let's, let's put that one to rest so that we, you know, we can base the conversation okay. around that, that, that question. <laughs> Do
4: you want an answer as a book blogger or as an organiser
0: though? Well, I guess. Or both. Yeah. And that's an interesting question. Yeah. So, I mean, from a, from a, an organizer's point of view, um, okay and
4: you'll do so it the organisers... yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> so the organisers thing's still quite new to me I've been doing it for just over a year now um I had a bit of history because I was the blogger first um but basically the, the the way I see it a book tour is um a means for an author just to be able to get his his or her book out there for everyone to see um so with my tours, I don't generally... Unless the author requests a review-only tour, then that's fine. But I do sometimes sort of suggest, how about... If you want to get more involved, why don't you do Q&As with the bloggers? So they will send over a set of questions and then the author will take the time. And so they we get to know the author. And the other thing I sort of suggest is what about having extracts from your book. So if you choose generally sort of like four or five extracts not too long so I normally generally say about a page of word and just showcase a section of your book don't spoil anything obviously um but something to entice the readers to obviously want to pick up your book and then um for it could be I've done three days tours five days seven ten and fourteen they're the sort of Mm. general ones you you see. And again, that's down to author preference as well. Um, and then during those seven or however many days, I will blast their book, as well as other organisers do the same. We all have our own little quirks. You see, different ones do different different organizers do different things. So for me, I will schedule three tweets throughout the day. So if someone's done a review, I'll choose three different bits from their review, share that on Twitter. I share it on my Facebook page. And then at the end of the day, I do something with Instagram just to wrap up the post. So I try to hit the three main. So I'm not very good at TikTok. No one needs to see my face. So I don't do anything on TikTok. <laughs> um, and then that way I try to cover all three social medias just to get something out there for the author. Um, and then I also have a website and I do a wrap up so i pick out key um quotes or extracts from every single um blog that took part and then that gets posted and shared around again on all the social media but in my eyes it's just a way to get people to shout out about your book and say hi to everyone really
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no i mean that's i mean that's a very clear explanation um there have been people on this who've come on our podcast and said uh you know very casually like in the 1970s when people said disco's dead or something like that <laughs> it, it's um <laughs> they, they, they go they just say yeah yeah but i don't do blog tours they're dead they don't affect sales yeah but i'm maybe...
1: not i'm not gonna say which one but one of our authors actively said i don't want a blog tour and we're like okay you you want...
0: now you've put that in I my head think... i'm gonna sit here thinking who was that <laughs> out of the 21 authors we've got. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you do find some people I think I think if you don't go in this is just my personal opinion mm. it's, it's not everyone's obviously but I wouldn't suggest going in doing a blog tour thinking you're going to make loads of sales yeah. because it's not necessarily always going to happen it's more um you're getting your book out there and you're you're getting noticed obviously the sales will hopefully come um but that is not what I see a global tour as it is a tool for you to use a market tool basically um Mm. and then you do find I've seen quite a few people come back and said oh I've bought this book and I've got this because I've seen this book and you find that when the posts get shared and people shouting about it it might be after the tour and then you'll start hopefully seeing the sales but yeah it's definitely I wouldn't say it is a a sales tool no, so even though that sounds it sounds kind of backwards because you you're doing the tour,
1: but yeah. But I I completely agree with you because um it's a bit like all the tweets we put out. I know that they might not they might not generate any sales at all. Or if I make a promo video, I think I have no idea it might not generate any sales, but it, it generates excitement, and it gets yeah. people talking, and that is exactly. like you say, it's like a snowball effect, isn't it? The hope is that that snowball effect will spread and. Word of mouth will come into play, and you know, people will read it and I'll say, Oh, and then they'll, you know, carry it on. Yeah, exactly
0: that. I That's suppose it, I it points to the, the one of the central pillars of, you know, marketing uh, wisdom, I suppose, was that, you know, that mm. it's estimated that you need to put your product in front of somebody seven times before they really.
1: Yeah, I saw that the other yeah. day, actually. Yeah, Someone said about that. Impulse. It's like feeding a yeah. child seven times something new. <laughs> like you give them a sprout once and they'll say, no thanks. Second time, <laughs> still no thanks. And about the seventh time they might go, well, I'll give it a go. Oh, I quite like that, actually.
4: <laughs> well, so you only do three in our house. So I'm going to up it to seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but say you try know, it the... three, don't like it, then leave it. But
0: no, I'm going go to
4: go seven.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's the aggro that's involved in getting to number seven because by that it's so yeah. hard to break through that. Um no that's interesting. So yeah, I think that's that's a very useful uh, thought really that that you know not necessarily going to drive sales because I think this yeah. is I think that's also pointing to the perhaps misconception that new authors coming into the industry have about how mm. long it's going to take for people to recognize what they're offering. Because let's be honest, I mean you've got various hats on and you're working with spellband who are like us, relatively new in the in the publishing sphere, yeah. uh, with a lot of uh, first time authors <coughs> um, being brought to market by them. It's it's quite difficult that inertia of when you're bringing because let's be honest, if you look at your feeds into the UK Crime Club or one of those sort of, yeah, there are dozens a day mm. of people publishing their yeah. first novel, all clamouring for recognition and. Actually, to generate significant sales with your first book, it's it's, it's very uh, rare. It's very rare, isn't it?
4: Yeah. Oh, definitely. I Unless you're Richard Osman.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, I might just change my name. And see what happens. <laughs> I'll pretend he wrote that.
1: You need to grow about four feet too, probably.
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm only just. I'm grazing the five foot mark. I'm just just over it. So yeah, I need to grow a bit more. <laughs> um the other thing as well with the blog tours, because some say about Amazon having that magic number of 50 reviews. Yeah. So that's the other thing with the blog tours is they help, you know, I chase everybody up after the tour saying, make sure you put it on Amazon. And then that's when they start, isn't it? They start marketing your book, don't they, after you get to 50 reviews. So that's the other thing that the book tours do. You get, you know, you get the service of these
1: books, not necessarily seeing people before. And get your pushy reviews up, and that's a good point as well. Because from a publisher's perspective, it's quite hard to get review quotes before a book is published. Because you, yeah. you might get them on Amazon a week, two weeks after. But the blog tour, you get them straight away, and that gives us an extra yeah. reason to post something or tweet something. Say, oh, we had a blog tour. And here are some of the quotes we've had so far, and so. And the bloggers, like,
4: as me as a blogger, you there's nothing more rewarding knowing that a publisher like yourselves or what I've worked with like a book tour um who are the digital marketers and just yeah. seeing your name and your quote somewhere on social media you're just like oh my god that that's me <laughs>
3: like
4: I've, I've been um on Amazon um for one of the book tour authors they've quoted me so you know you're in the blurb bit underneath there you have some quotes and your author sent it to me and I was like the first one there I was like my god that's me like and it's still it's so such a nice feeling so that's another you know it's rewarding for the bloggers as well on the other on the flip side and then it, you, you make new connections as well you also can connect with the bloggers and you've got that sort of following you're
0: building as well absolutely That's uh, so there, much
3: to it yeah <laughs> no
0: there is there is um we've I, I sense we're gonna get into some real depth here but uh let's turn to your um you know what first brought you into the blogging sphere as a book blogger what what first attracted you okay. to do that
4: um gosh so i remember how it all started so it was just really random i had no idea of book bloggers or tours or bookstagram nothing and i think i read um a roof book. Uh, the woman in cabin 10 and I absolutely loved it and I think I don't know why I just randomly went on Twitter I hadn't I used my Twitter for about I know three or four years it was one of those things she set it up I looked at it and went I don't have a clue what I'm doing
1: I was like that yeah (laughs) Yeah.
4: (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing let's just forget about that one but I went back on and I I tagged her in just saying I've just read this book oh my god absolutely loved it and she replied and I just sat there for about a good hour or so, and I sent a, a screenshot to my friend. I was like, and she didn't know who Ruth Ware was at the time. And I was like, <laughs>
3: Oh my god,
4: what? What do I do now? She she <laughs> replied, like she's famous. I talk to her? I just didn't have a clue. And I I must have been on one of those that fan girl and go really bright red. My husband takes the mickey out of me. And um, so I replied back, and then. one of my friends who was really hot on Instagram said there's this thing called bookstagram why don't you check it out I was like why is this and so I sort of delved into looking at it and then someone one of my friends had her own website and she um did she's a um sort of fashion blogger but also like a lifestyle blogger
3: Mm.
4: and so she started helping me out and said why don't you get this website set up I was like well who's going to care what I have to say and then I slowly started to research more into it and then I found out about NetGalley and then I just got opened up to this whole new world I was like wow this is just something I had no idea about and that happened five years ago and then I discovered tour organizers and yeah, and then I just started taking part in tours and I've discovered so many authors I would never probably known about, like not mainstream ones, sort of thing, like mm. the indie the indie world. I didn't really know much about the indie world. It sounds so silly because I was such a vicarious reader before. I was just sitting read so much so many books. And then um I got out of my reading slump by reading a book by some a, Guy called Richard Mui, he's an American author, but he writes the most amazing romantic comedy books. And I've actually connected with him and come like we talk to each other now again on social media. And I've done, I've read every single one of his books, (laughs) but it's just crazy how it all sort of snowballed. And then I made loads of blogger friends and all the friends, and I met Ruth Ware. A couple of years ago at the capital crime festival when it was in its first year mm. and uh, <laughs> I went up to her and I said I didn't even get my words out properly and I think I said something like when I wrote your book the woman on cabin I mean no no I didn't
3: say that <laughs> and she was just
4: laughing at me and I said no your book got me into blogging and I got a photo of her and I sent it to my husband and I said this is your phone. and all he said was your face is bright red <laughs> <laughs> but going back to like sort of the engagement with the authors it's quite nice because I met um CJ Tudor who I'd spoken to a few times on um Twitter and so I went and got my book signed by Mm -hmm. her I said oh can you make it out to Zoe and she went as in Zulu I was like (laughs) Yeah, and she literally You're jumped famous. out of her seat and gave me, Yeah, I was like, yeah, and she jumped out of her seat and gave me a hug. Shot. I'm so glad I finally got to meet you. And I was like,
0: oh wow. my god, someone's
4: that's cute. Here. that's so cute. <laughs> that is
0: amazing.
4: Yeah, you have to wait till the time yeah. when someone
1: asks for your signature.
4: <laughs> uh, I, my friend did that when I signed my book for her. I was like, you know, <laughs> take a photo. This is weird. <laughs>
3: so it, 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 yeah,
0: that, that's um. I mean the question I've got that sort of just pops into the sort of front of my mind, which is the way it works for me, um, is <laughs> in terms of developing your confidence as a blogger. So you've start, you know, you discover this world, but getting um access to things that you actually want to read as opposed to taking whatever's offered. Um how yeah. what's what's that journey like as a blogger?
4: Um I mean, I'm still in the background i was very active a while ago and then when i started writing and organizing tours i did take a back seat Mm. so i'm not always in i'm not in their front mind anymore but you just i don't know it is it can be difficult sometimes to get to know who the right people are and who does the the organizing the independent organizers that i deal with so you've got rachel of rachel random resources and Anne of random thing tours and two that i wear with and tracy of compulsive readers they deal with the bigger publishers um and they're very inclusive they you know they welcomed me when i first started out um and they have the they have the in with the bigger ones or they you can go direct to the publishers themselves Mm -hmm. so it's just trying to find the right person and obviously with any job the roles all change so who you might speak to one time might not be necessary who you speak to again um but yeah it, it's just like i say trying to find the right person um book a tour i got in with um by speaking to kim nash and Noel holton and yeah like they're the the I, I don't know their role names i can't remember really sorry like, <laughs> um,
0: they, they created the imprint, <laughs> though, didn't they
4: yeah yeah and um and I got in with them and they were the first ones that gave me the auto approval on net galley and just said, look, you want to do our tours? Here's the books. And wow. I've not looked back since and mm. it's been great. And they're, they're all so supportive. Um, you know, as long as you, if you don't necessarily have to have a blog, I didn't know that at the time, but, um, even organizing, I've dealt with people that have might just have a Facebook page mm. or they might just have an Instagram, um, or sometimes some people only have Twitter or just they review you on Goodreads and then they share it everywhere. Mm. Um, but it's all about just getting out there. And I think as long as you've got as well a unique name, so there's no one else called Zulu. <laughs> um, <laughs> so one kind of stands out, which is quite nice. And as long as you've got something that can stand out, people do start to remember you as well. But that's not to say if you want to have you know some people might just have um I don't know I can't think of anything in the moment but say my name was like Anne Smith I might want to just put Anne Smith book reviews it doesn't
1: Mm. it makes no
4: difference um at all what you what you're called is whatever you want to be called but
1: yeah it's yeah and I think it's it's a combination isn't it (laughs) the the name and the visuals and your your I hate to use this phrase, USP. Suddenly <laughs>
0: <You're, laughs> yeah. it becomes Dragon's Den, is so. <laughs>
1: it? But it's true <free>, though. Because <laughs> people people associate you with that particular style. And you yeah. know it, rather than sort of just blending in with everybody else, you've got they might think, Oh, I'll try Zulu because I like the way she does her visuals, or I like the way, you know, she structures her reviews, or I like the fact that she has Q&A and um extracts as yeah. well as reviews
4: yeah I mean it is down to people's personal preference as well like I've got some bloggers that only read print copies not a problem some only want digital so again you know it depends on your preference um I prefer digital but books are not. Nice, as don't get me wrong I have got Quite a lot of books, and when I when I was <laughs> off with David as well, I think I brought about twelve paperbacks and about 10 ebooks And I'm like, oh, when am I going to read them?
1: <laughs> so, how big is your to be to be red pile
4: at uh, this moment?
1: <laughs> wow.
4: Um, if you look at Goodreads, it's in the, like one thousand sometimes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's about ten years worth. <laughs> Yeah, I think when I did that thing, you can do it on the internet, can't you? How long would it take if I just sit and read all day and it tells yeah. you how many books? Yeah, I think I'm going to be in like well in my 80s by the time <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm near retirement age, it's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of my father, ex father in law with his wine collection. <laughs> He's got oh thousands God. of bottles and he'll never get through them. Well, I mean,
1: that's a nice problem, though. I would love that problem. I've got too much wine to drink. Oh dear.
0: Yeah, it's not <laughs> it, 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 I'll it, just have one. It's just yeah. just
1: wine somewhere.
0: Personal problems, personal problems. <laughs> I I I'm intrigued though well. I mean in in terms of looking at it from both your hats then. I mean when you you know, when you're blogging, do you yeah. sense a is there any pressure brought to bear by the people releasing the books to you to well, you know, you can have this one as long as it's a good review or we've got a really good one i mean because what people tend to do i i've we actually were speaking to a pr specialist from with a background in the trade and there is this trade-off where she was talking about getting favors from from leading reviewers and newspapers is if you don't mind doing I this will. i'll make sure you get the first look at the you name know, of the new salmon rush deal or whatever it might be yeah. um it, does any of that go on or is it just literally released you? Well,
3: it does,
4: it hasn't come to me.
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: Damn it. Um, I don't think so. Um, not certainly not with any of the bloggers I know and deal with. You might have the like you know, there might be I can think of one example at the moment. I've just done a blog tour for an author and I've never read her books before. And I was like, Oh my god, they're like my one of my top books of the year so far and she sent around a message to me when the next one's ready I'm sending it to you I was like wow you know thank you you don't have to do that so you do find that some authors will reach out and say you know you've loved it do you want the next one just read and review it you know some authors can be there have had been some authors that have tarnished the author name not with me but I've heard rumors before um and then but i'd say 99% of the authors are just amazing that you know they will as long as i don't know it's not even if it's a a glowing review a constructive review they're happy with that you know i've seen some on my tours where they might not say being glowing but they are constructive and they've Mm. explained what worked for them what didn't and even the authors even said that's what i need you know Mm. i need to know what i can improve on yeah Um, that's Oh, so I was just going to say, book tours are promotional. So obviously, you can't. They everyone generally says if you can't rate it three stars or more, then you get, um, you know, you could change for content or something. It's rarely happened for me. Thank God, Touchwood. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, I, um, we were discussing this morning, um, eating breakfast, and I said, you know, here's a question I want to, to or uh, uh, an issue I want to discuss because when I read restaurant reviews. I'm looking forward to the likes of Jay Rayner or Faye Mashler or someone like this, particularly Faye Mashler, to savage a restaurant. I mean, that's that's the, you know, or if Jeremy Clarkson doesn't like a particular car in his Sunday Times reviews, he goes to town on it. And that's part of the film. So therefore, you know, there's also this. That builds up within the reviewer. Uh, if you say it's good, it's got to be good because they were really savage about Heston Blumenthal's thing down the road or whatever it was. <coughs> See what I mean? Is, is is yeah? Is
3: there
0: um, is there a danger that because blog tours tend to produce four or five star reviews, positive this that and the other, um, that their credibility can be dented by the fact that bloggers. As a rule, tend not to savage what they get sent.
3: Um,
4: I don't think so. Um, you know, I've I've posted books where I thought they were three stars. Put what I didn't work for me, mm. but what could work for other people. So I think it's oh, yeah. the wording. So you you know, as long as you're not completely savage, because there is like. Uh, the unwritten rule so to speak if you're gonna slate an author I mean most people tend to not different blogger communities might think different things but mm. you know generally if you're gonna slate someone you don't tag the author in they don't need to know how much you hated something <laughs> that they'd put their blood sweat tears in um you know but if it's constructive people will want to read it if you're just going to say I can't stand it what a load of tosh no mm. you know it's not That's... something I want to say you know, and that's you, not you, constructive
1: some... anyway, is it? So that's
4: no. the Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you didn't like it, move on, read something else. Don't you don't need to keep going on, sort of thing. But um I don't know, I I mean personally, when I've done reviews, if I've if I've really not liked something, I might have swapped to an extract. But I generally there was one book recently I was like, Oh, I don't even think I can finish this book. I just I couldn't gel with it, and it it was taking me. It was not a long book, and I thought this is going to take me forever. (laughs) I got to the end, but I was really glad I persevered because a lot of people say if you don't like a book, just give up on it, and you know life's too short. Mm. You know when when you when you look at something saying you're going to be about 90 or two, you're going to finish all your books. You kind of think yeah, life's too short. (laughs) But I'm glad I persevered with it because by the end of it, there was a, a really nice. Oh it wasn't a, a nice story because it wasn't that sort of book but it was there was an outcome and I got on board with it and I I got my head around it in the end it just was a bit hard work in the beginning so in my review I would have said something you know it is very slow to begin with however there's a reward at the end when you get there sort of thing mm. so yeah as long as it's sort of constructive and yeah
3: well, that's generally
4: with my reviews I don't talk about the book I say how it made me feel and oh, my God, this
0: is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting you say that because uh, when we're working through submissions and I've got a book, I mean, even this week, um don't want really to give too many details away, but I've had this sort no. of uh, sort of uh, oscillation between, God, this is good, and, mm, I'm, I'm, you know, the next time I speak to Rebecca, it'll be, do you know what, I'm not really sure about this. Uh, and then, yeah. and actually sometimes it's more a reflection on me, um, my state of mind, COVID, whatever, uh, that, that yeah. I'm struggling. And, you know, I haven't, you know, I, 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 I hesitate to blame the author for taking me out of the story because often it's not their fault, it's me. Um, that, But I think it's, it's, it, it is that thing of persevering because um, I mean, there's two schools of thought here, isn't there? You know, when you're writing something, yes, you want to make sure that people are hooked mm. from the start, and they're consistently kept in the story, and they want to read on. Um, yeah. Equally, equally, a good book can be confusing and throw you the, a dozen red herrings, and and everything seems a just when you're making sense of it. A good crime book, for instance, will then mess with your mind. And, I
1: yeah. like that though. I like books that mess yeah. with my mind.
0: Yeah. See, I'm less oh, comfortable definitely. with that because I'm I'm trying to make sense. <laughs> You know, I'm trying to keep a grip on reality in in, in life anyway. Well, it's
1: it's interesting. Again, (laughs) without mentioning any names, there was a book we were both reading Mm. and you struggled because it did mess with your mind and Mm. it switched around quite Mm. a lot. I devoured it. I loved it. Really?
3: Yeah.
4: It's funny, isn't it? Like different, like you say as well, it depends on your mood when you're reading a book. Like you Mm. might find that one day this book is the best book you've ever read. The next day you're like, oh my God, why am I still reading it? So it can just depend on your frame of mind as well, which I think is so, reading is just so subjective. It's just, and that's what I think what I love about it, because going back to someone who might absolutely slate a book, it would then give me more reason to want to read it because I think, well, why have you hated it so much? What is wrong with it? And and then I might go and be like, Wow, this is absolutely fantastic. Yeah.
1: So that's what well, I quite like about things like that. Uh, I also think if you write a book and everybody loves it, you haven't it's not it's not, not you haven't done it right. You've got to make somebody yeah. you've got to rally rile somebody, I think, with your book. Really? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if everybody loves it, it's too perfect. What? Then what?
0: Are you <laughs> saying Mary Berry should set out to shock? Oh. <laughs> it ain't going to happen.
4: <laughs> it mixes up her ingredients
0: in one of the recipes just to Well, yeah, them. no, I, I would, I, I, to be fair though, I mean, because we were looking at last night's TV schedule and we were thinking, right, because <laughs> MasterChef is back on tonight, thank God, but there was so little <laughs> on the mainstream channels that we wanted to watch and there was a new series of Mary Berry Does Something Fantastic Oh, feasts I can't even remember
1: what it was, or, yeah.
0: You know, Fantastic Feasts and Where to Find Them or something. And um, <laughs> And you're just thinking... I really want Mary Berry to swear in the middle of, like...
1: Or take all the clothes off or something, I don't know, you know run or, around.
0: Or physically assault somebody, you know, the camera crew with a with a saucepan.
1: Well, just get really angry about somebody's soggy bottom and throw food at the camera.
0: Yeah, come on, lady, you know.
1: Do a Gordon Ramsay on us.
0: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Mind you, that's such a time. Tired, uh, uh, I've told the story on the podcast too many times. Uh, like, yeah, you have. Okay, but anyway, just well, Oh, I heard it. Oh, well, now you see, I've dangled it. Um, well, I, I, when I was working for the BBC, <laughs> I, I, in, a, in a dark, distant period in the television centre, um, I was working on BBC Breakfast, and we just switched um, our sports coverage so that uh, there was new management on the programme, and they thought that sport was boring. No one was interested. What? Right? Yeah, get, get that. Okay, so, so that, that was their approach, and they thought they had to celebrify. Uh, Celebrify. Celebrify, I suppose, is the word. Yeah, yeah, making things up now. But uh, so their first experiment was (laughs) This was forced on me, was that we were going to get a celebrity in to review the football from the weekend. And the first (laughs) celebrity they booked was Gordon Ramsay. The trouble is, Gordon (laughs) Ramsay had spent the weekend on one of those round-the-world yachts um, as they prepared to do the, the race. And he was showing them for publicity purposes, presumably, uh, and for a vast sum of money how to cook in a galley kitchen in a world round the oh world yacht and uh, so he was knackered he'd just flown in from Heathrow he was absolutely you know wiped out he he smelt of the boat he hadn't had a shower he was he was cranky <laughs> and my producer <laughs> decided that the, the, the you know, obviously he hadn't seen the football either so that was nearly useless I mean who wants to hear about I mean I know he was almost a professional footballer but let's be honest, yeah. he really wants to hear about his opinions of you know, the Liverpool back four. It, it's not going to work. <laughs> anyway, um, the, my producer who's now one of the most senior figures in the BBC News Empire um, or editor rather, he, he said uh, would you mind going to speak to Gordon and remind him that it's at 7.30 in the morning it's a family show, uh, no swearing, and I went, are you kidding? How the hell am I going to go and tell Gordon Ramsay when he's already got a cob on about missing his family and <laughs> smelling of, of the sea. Um that he shouldn't swear. So I went down to the green room and got Billy Bragg sat there and Moira Stewart sitting on the end of the couch and uh and Gordon's in his sort of total sort of uh yeah, right. What well, what well, yeah, what what am I doing? Yeah, kind of approach, you know. Absolutely. yeah Okay, Mr. Ramsey, um, I'm Adrian, uh I'm producing the sports segment. Thank you so much for coming in. Appreciate, it, you know, you know i appreciate it. it's my time and um, my senior editor has asked me to remind you that it's a family show and please avoid swearing anyway um, you know he used the f word 14 times uh, <laughs> and he called me oh at the end God. he called me a nats pizzle anyway um anyway then he said and so i've got billy bragg going yeah Effing right, Gordon, you, you know.
1: What colour was Morris Stewart at this point?
0: She went a very funny colour. <laughs> no, that sounds wrong. Sorry. Um, but you know what I mean. She, <laughs> the, the, I think the blood was draining from her cheeks. Let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> and her poise was, and, and you know, because she was never ruffled, ever. She was a very funny, wonderfully humorous person, Morris Stewart, off camera. Mm. She was an absolute scream, but even she was ruffled by the language that was being used. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh, and then he goes, only joking, mate. Uh, of course, yeah, I understand. Uh, family show, uh, yeah, and it was fine. But it was one of those things. <laughs> anyway, that's the Gordon Ramsay story.
1: Um, I can't actually remember why we're telling. Why are it? we talking about? Oh, Gordon because with Mary Bell uh, yeah. swearing.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I think, but I think I think there is that there, there is that thing. I mean, I if I went into blogging, I think I would put myself out there as one of these people. If you can impress him. With a review, it means something. So I think I would, yeah I've been looking to pick on everything. You and
1: want to be like the the, the Jay Harry man? Jay Rayner. Yeah, that's it. Uh,
0: that's um, what I said. Yeah, Jay <laughs> Harry. God, we've really gone off course. Yeah, maybe. But, I mean, you know, it's not as if I've got the time to do these sort of things. But... I,
1: well, it means I can email you and I invite you on the blog tours.
0: Yeah, that'd
1: be fun. <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, let's let's get back to blog tours then I mean when you're constructing a blog tour um, presumably now you've been doing it a year uh, and before that you'd already built quite a big network in the blogging community Uh, Mm. do you have a sort of uh, I wouldn't say the little black book but you know what I mean it's that sort of list of contacts
1: spreadsheet maybe yeah um, I've got a big
0: can you you (laughs) construct a tour and say right I know that this book is going to appeal to the 20 names in front of me and all that sort of thing is that how it works for you
4: um, not for me that I know Another a couple of organizers that it that does work for them um, I've got a list of names and then I send the invite out to everybody um, that if it's to one I've got a list of people that just read digitally and if it's print it goes to everybody on my list um, I found I, you know, and I appreciate not everyone's interested in everything I send. Um, but I have found the good thing with blog tours, and this is personally as well. If I get an invite for something that's not necessarily in my genre, and I step out, you find little gems. Like there's one that's on I'm got on tour at the moment, and the blogger started off saying, "This isn't my genre." You know, I don't read anything. But boy, am I glad I did, and that just sort of makes me smile because I think you know that that's the sort of thing I want to say The the fact that someone has taken that chance and now they've discovered this author and now they want to go back and look at all the authors other books and that's the sort of thing
3: mm. that
4: I love to see not even on tours I organize just tours I'm taking part in or just generally other tours that I see and I, I try to step out of my comfort zone quite a lot and read things like the books I've mentioned that I brought earlier I think I've read a couple of like fantasy books in the past before and sort of like historical ones. So um Christian Cameron, that sort of style. And then like ten other books I bought uh, um I think his name's oh I'm really sorry if I get this wrong. Giles Christiansen, mm-hmm. I think. He wrote Camelot and Lancelot. And I've bought those books and I was like, I'm gonna step out of my uh, comfort zone here and, and Con Egolden. I don't know if he's saying Igolden. Eden, yeah. yeah i've read one of his before and then i've brought the um the war of roses series mm, and I'm, I'm really interested in that like tudors and that sort of period of time so i'm like i've really stepped out of my comfort zone i'm like looking at these tomes and i'm like oh my god oh,
0: his, his books about the caesar in france um sorry gaul <coughs> are just brilliant yeah too. Uh, I I remember devouring those as uh, audiobooks years and years ago when audiobooks were tapes oh, or, or CDs. CDs, those yeah. big
1: eight-pack of CDs. Oh, awesome, gosh, yeah. Awesome,
0: awesome writer. Um, let's talk about your writing. I was
1: just about to say that. We need to turn it on to yeah. you <laughs> now. So oh, you, God. You've, you've reviewed other people's writing, and you're a writer yes. too.
0: Yeah, we need to know yeah. Zoe Lee O'Carroll, the writer. Um, Now, your your book, <laughs> uh YA horror is that right?
4: Yeah, that is. Yeah. Um so that came about it was originally published with um a small press called Question Mark Press. Um and they are trying to rebuild like the point horror style books back in the day.
3: Mm.
4: And I've never written anything. I'm, well, I well I tell you that, I started writing a semi-autobiography of, like a, of a soldier's wife. Mm. but I've not really done much with it. And uh, and then I had a dream once, and I started writing a book about this dream. I had Chris Evans, you know, Captain America. So I was oh, like, okay. I'm going to write not, this.
0: What, the not, DJ, not the...
1: Chris Evans?
0: No, 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 no. Don't forget your toothbrush. He's
4: one, actor. Oh, no, I, I don't know. know.
0: He's a chisel. He's got, you know. No,
4: he... He's very nice to look at.
1: Oh, okay. I'll look him up later then. Captain America. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah Captain America. It.
1: Oh, Captain America. Oh, yeah, Okay.
4: Yeah. You so I started writing that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it was sort of mentioned, why don't you... Because horror is my favourite genre. That is my, my go-to. Mm. And um, they're like, so it was suggested, why don't you try and write? And I was like, I have no ideas. I don't know what to do. Yeah, I'll think about it. And then I was making the bed. Sounds very... <laughs> I was making the bed. I was changing the sheets on the bed. And then this this... Vision, it's just so weird. It just came into my head of a man walking through a school corridor with a knife and blood dripping on the floor. And I was like, I'll oh, quick write that down. And then from there, the story started to come together. It was really weird. And so it was like um, this school, it's sort of shut down now because this guy nicely went around and killed people in the school. And uh, it's coming up to the anniversary, so these six friends—they thought it would be a great idea to do a Ouija board.
1: Been there, done Saru. that. Yeah,
4: yeah. Well, that's why I did a Ouija board because I've done a Ouija board before.
1: It's <laughs> face. In in the first year in Exeter, we did it in the attic of the house we lived in, and it it, it moved. It really. Anyway, I'll tell you later. <laughs>
4: You do not look impressed.
0: <laughs> well, I find it very challenging to my deeply held evangelical Christian beliefs.
1: Oh, I'll yeah. stop it. Anyway, <laughs> can <come on.
4: laughs> um on. And so I, had, I mean, I've done media boards before when I was a kid. And um, there's definitely something in my mum's house. And when my dad passed, I saw him as well a couple of times. So I've always believed there was something mm. there. So I, um, yeah, then then this idea just came to me. The characters that survived at the end weren't originally meant to survive. Um, it was somebody else. And that was quite weird. And so you, when you hear authors say, oh, yeah, they spoke to me and they're saying this and they're mm-hmm. saying that. And I don't know what's going to happen. And I always thought mm, there was always that doubt. It's like because i yeah. never experienced that. Really? Or was that just is, is, are you just seeing that? Mm, but now I can confirm <laughs> it's true. <laughs> me, it's like, all oh, true. Yeah. I, think,
0: I think we've it struck up, like... up, upon something very interesting here. That you know, that thing of the voices, which I've experienced too. And you know, you know, I set out with actually minimal planning now because I think, do you know what they're going to tell me once I've created them? They're going to tell me where to go. Yeah. It is like a Ouija board in that sense, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> you know, you are. It's
3: weird. It's,
0: yeah, it is really weird. And I think <laughs> you're either receptive to it, and I'm uh, it's that's the Ouija board thing, or you're not. But yeah, you you know, I would urge anybody who doesn't believe in anything, you know, that well, nonsense. Well, then,
1: why don't you believe in the cat purring theory?
0: Yeah, this is this is last (laughs) today's debate.
1: So I'll 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 tell you about this. So I'm going to
0: disappear off camera for a minute. I
1: had an email. (laughs) I had an email yesterday from a from a reviewer actually, and um, I'd mentioned that we had COVID, and I'd said that Hmm. the cat. Won't leave my side. She's being very protective. Oh, you said
4: this to me actually as well
1: about the cat not leaving you. So, this, this, yeah, I probably did because I said it's lots of people (laughs) because she doesn't. She won't leave my side. She sleeps on the bed all night. And if I'm in bed in the daytime, she's there as well. But this person said to me, Did you know that they have the healing property of the purrs that they deliberately purr in a certain way to help you get better, either mentally or physically? yeah. I know
0: that. Well, no, he's not believing. I mean, I, I, you know, it's like saying, so the cat is like an ultrasound on four legs. I mean, I, I'm sorry, I don't buy into it. How, how about George the
1: hospice cat then? How do you explain no, George that's, the hospice no, that's, cat?
0: Okay, so this is another fam- one of your famous stories, but I, I love this one. So,
1: so my mum my was a, a Macmillan nurse and she worked for a hospice in Staffordshire. And they had a cat. I don't think you'd be allowed to have a cat now, but they had a cat called George. And they didn't yeah. tell the patients this, but the staff all knew that if George sat on a patient's bed, that person had 24 hours left and it worked every <gasps> time.
4: Oh, my God. That's but they, didn't, creepy, they, they couldn't
1: tell the patients because you imagine saying, oh, yeah. look, George is sat on the end of your bed. How lovely. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> oh, my God.
3: I feel wow. a book coming on. <laughs>
1: I yeah. Okay, Write some notes. But who sat on George's bed during his last twenty-four hours? I don't know.
0: That's oh. why, but that's why I was freaked out. Now you that now? You. And we've been on the been in both of us in bed most of the week. With
1: the, the cat next to us, yeah. So it does freak I, me out a little just
0: bit. But either she's gonna eat me while I you know, my back's turned or <laughs> or she's it's a portent of, of my of doom. Of doom, yeah. Mm. But yeah. as it is, well, I, right. not quite died yet. We're in the middle of a podcast.
4: So, you know. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. No, yeah, right. she's well, not just the outside the door. <laughs> well, I've
3: got
4: one in the room with me at the moment, and she sort of came in and looked in and looked at me and walked out again. And then the boy kitten, he was by my side pretty much all week.
1: I think they do know when you need them. I do. I genuinely think yeah. they do know. People think cats are selfish and it's all conditional love, but. I don't think that's true. I think they're very sensitive.
4: They definitely do They do understand. I reckon they know something's up when they know, yeah, when you're real and everything.
1: And do your cats, they have, do they ever have like sort of a mad frenzy for no reason at all? Yes. <laughs> so I think, I believe that's spirits, you know. Right. Do you reckon? I do because our, our cat, not in this house, the house we lived in before was what, 300 years old? Mm-hmm. every evening at about the same time, she would just suddenly start darting around the living room. Really? Yeah.
0: <laughs> She's not done it in this house. No,
1: exactly. It's... This is a barn. You wouldn't have any dead bodies in a barn, would no, you?
0: No, I mean, that, that place was I mean, getting on for 500 years Exactly.
1: Old. So it had lots of ghosts, I During reckon. the
0: Civil War. So yeah. you probably had a lot of... Probably.
1: We've really oh, digressed though. We
0: have we have digressed. So let's get back We're to it.
4: No,
0: well I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> So um tell us about that experience then in terms of writing, Ouija, you know, that challenge of of I mean, something I've never managed to do yet, because I'm always writing, but I've never finished a book. Um has it encouraged you to do more or is the blogging the main focus for now?
3: Yes.
4: Uh, well, I kind of have, like you said before, I've got the different hats on. So I'm still a blogger. I'm still the tour organiser. I still have a full-time day job and I'm a mum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I that. have started writing the next one. Yeah, fat- apart, but, from that,
3: yeah. apart from that, yeah. what's Only
4: like? four jobs. <laughs> <from that? laughs> um, I have started writing another one because uh, Spellbound actually picked up Ouija. Um, so they're re-releasing it. And it comes out actually on Halloween this year. Oh uh, so um,
3: cool.
4: yeah. And uh I signed a three book contract with them. So I am currently writing another young adult's horror um at the moment. But um I don't know what the question
1: was now I forgot, sorry. Oh no yeah. well, you've See, answered it. You yeah, the there's more. You're what? writing more.
0: <laughs> there is more to come from you as an author, That's fantastic. I
1: have a question yeah. now. You mentioned TikTok earlier. Would you not oh, consider God, yeah. going on TikTok? I am
4: on it. I did do a couple of, like, I read a couple of extracts from the book. I just thought I sounded really twatty, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this again. <laughs> um, I spend more of my time watching everybody else's videos than actually recording anything.
1: It is <laughs> addictive, isn't it? TikTok. It's it very is. addictive. It's funny,
4: how, it's funny how just watching someone's video, you can lose, like, an hour of your life just mm. watching these videos. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, it's, I might try it again. But I, I did read a couple of extracts and I posted out on Instagram, and um, I had really good feedback saying, you know, you need to read some more from your book. Um, so that was quite nice to hear. Um, and same with the reviews. Um, you know, getting the reviews I've got from the book's been really positive, and I've even enjoyed the ones that haven't been as glowing because it's showing me what I need to improve on as well. So it's been great getting the different feedback.
1: Mm. Um, I think it is very important, yeah. isn't it? Getting that constructive advice.
4: Yeah. Cause I don't, I don't want people just to say to me, Oh yeah, this is five stars. It's amazing. Because I mean, yeah, that's wonderful. I'm glad it's five stars. I'm glad you think it's amazing, but I, <laughs> I, I, you know, for a debut as well, I'm, I want to know what I can approve on. And there's been a few, a few comments, so it's been quite nice to know. So this next book, um, I've rewritten the prologue. I've lost count now. But the prologue's been rewritten and I've written I think the first six chapters. And one of my friends, who's a horror writer, he's read it and it was quite nice to hear. He's given me some feedback as well. And he was like, You can already see how much your writing's improved from the first one. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you that's need good. to keep going. But I'm kind of just stuck where I'm at with it because I 'Cause it's about uh VR headsets. I don't have VR headsets. I've used them, you know, in the arcades and everything. Mm. So I've I'm, I'm now at that stage where I'm thinking I'm gonna have to purchase one just so I can get the uh the knowledge because I don't wanna write something and everyone be like, Well, that can't happen. Mm. But I have spoken to someone who's works in VR headsets and they're getting to the stage where you can now start smelling things when you use them. They're I'll very you, expensive.
1: I'll tell you what I've done with VR, which I- it was wow. brilliant. Drawing. Oh wow.
0: <laughs> my heart was in my mouth
1: there, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's so when I was doing my masters, my one of my my sort of major project was actually about drawing and about can you draw in VR and is it as valid as drawing in real life? So what you do is oh, you put yeah. you put the headset on and it's completely black. And you've got yeah. a pen like a you know, in, in real life you're holding this um there's, you've got the two, you've got the the one where it's like a control panel and then you've got the pen and you're selecting yeah. colours with that. But in the in the VR world, you've got your paintbrush and you you paint these three D lines. It is fantastic. Wow. You can walk through the artwork, it's wonderful. Wow.
0: In the world of NFTs.
1: Yeah, tokens. they would have been great NFTs that I made. I've still got them. I made a chair.
0: That That is, <laughs> if, if we're looking for a, a way forward with your art, that is it. Yeah.
1: That is yeah. it. I did, I mean, I, did some, I loved my VR artwork. Oh, yeah. wow. And you, 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 that you, then cool. someone else can put the headset in and they can walk into your drawing.
3: Amazing.
0: Oh, wow.
1: That's pretty cool.
0: So, um, <laughs> okay. before we get to the Rebecca... So Robert, her so
1: her, her uh, author idea...
0: Yeah. Brain cells are going there, yeah
1: they are <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs>
4: well, they're all playing a game at the moment, and i mean i'm not I can't give too much away, but um yeah they're playing they're about to embark on this uh horror game, and it's loosely based on uh an urban legend in in the book, in their world, as mm-hmm. if it was a real world something and uh yeah the the opening book, the opening prologue, there's a lot of blood. I'm not gonna lie. A lot more <laughs> death. Not, not and, just virtual uh, killed... No, this this is real blood, I'm afraid. I think I've killed more people off in the prologue of this book than I did in Ouija. Wow. And um <laughs> and then uh Yeah, and now they're about to play this game. But some of them aren't playing it through the headset, some of them are playing it on the TV. So I found out that does work. So that was quite good.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So I'm
4: trying I'm trying to make it as realistic as possible. <laughs> of course.
0: Uh before we get to the random question which will take us down another <laughs> rabbit hole no doubt um let's let's talk about your relationship then with Spellbound how that started and um I mean, is it because you, know, you you have a, a kind of executive role with the company in in terms of the you know yeah. Communications,
1: communications yeah
0: um but also now as an author so what's that what's that uh, relationship like in terms of the the I mean it Spellbound strikes me very much a family uh, sort of feeling to it yeah uh, um, definitely So, yeah, I mean, how did it start?
4: Um, So when I started doing the tours, I originally started out just doing them for Question Mark Press. Um, Mm. It was just something ad hoc, and I was like, I'd love to help out because I wanted to try to see if I could actually organise tours. And then from organising them, I learned about Spellbound sort of just being quite new. And One of my friends says to me, well, why don't you contact him? You know, you won't lose anything from just saying, do you need someone to help? So it took me ages to work up the nerve. And so I I sent Samira um, a message on Facebook and she came back pretty much straight away and said, yes, definitely, let's work it out. So then I had a, a Zoom call with her just to go through some bits and pieces. And then we had a group chat, just me, her and Nikki, because at the beginning it was just her and Nikki, and then I came along. Now there's a the chat's sort of got bigger with the rest of us involved. Um and then I think it was last August we were just sort of talking and then they offered me the position of communications director. Um I was completely taken aback, like I just didn't expect it at all. Um and yeah, it's just sort of progressed from there, and then Samira won in. To take Weed You and anything else I wanted to write.
3: Fantastic.
4: Um but it, it definitely is a family. It you know, we all get on so well. Um we chat every day in our little group chat and we chat with the authors as well. We've got um, you know, like an author group. Um yeah it, it and yeah it's just really nice. It's really supportive and yeah. It's one it of those I know it sounds like what everyone says it's like yeah it, it but it really is like a family and I've not met any of them before. I briefly met Samira a few years ago before COVID um, first came in. But it wasn't like we didn't have a conversation. And She was in the same room as me. I, mean, mm. I knew who she was. She probably didn't have a clue who I was at the time. <laughs> um, she'll probably kill me for that later. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, but we were there at the same event. We were at um, an Arenda uh, book event. Oh,
3: right, yeah.
4: And mm. um so we're all going to Harrogate this year. So it's the first time I'm actually gonna meet like a lot of the spellbound definitely some of a lot of the spellbound authors, but it's the first time I'm gonna meet like the admin um of spellbound. So I'm really excited about that. And if you're lucky, you might meet us. Well, that would be amazing, I can <laughs> say you know. If you're going, I will be definitely saying hello.
0: Yeah, if, if 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 the cat gets off the bed and lets me live, then uh, yeah.
4: <laughs> as long as you haven't had your twenty four hour warning, you're fine.
0: Absolutely right. Let's get to the the, the real nub of any interview uh, with the Hobcast. This is what show. people
1: have been waiting for.
0: It, yeah. <laughs>
2: So,
0: i nervous. Now, uh, I'm going to well, give it a drum roll, although I could. I've got a new app on my phone which would allow me to do that.
2: <laughs> you know what? We were
1: watching a film last night and I could hear this vague sort of drummy noise. And I, I was sitting there thinking, it's radiators. What is that? He was playing the drums on his phone. Okay.
0: Yeah, I was. I was. I'll try and get it cranked up in time to, uh, to, me to do it. Okay, Oh, my really... face hurts. I'm so laughing. <laughs> I better turn up the volume.
1: All right, here we go. It's it's smaller than a real drum
0: kit. (laughs) Wasn't quite the smooth press roll I was looking at.
3: It worked, it worked.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It is time. Oh my god. Zoe, Lee, and Farrell, for you to face the ultimate question in podcasting Rebecca, (laughs) random
1: question <laughs> we actually okay. discussed this at, over dinner last night and we decided okay. i decided to use it as a random question what object from history would you like to own oh my god
0: <laughs> yeah <it> difficult. <laughs>
1: i'll tell you what my youngest son said okay before you think of an answer he wanted hit the skull oh, okay
0: interesting <laughs> Yeah, that look good at the end of the bed, would not
4: it? at <laughs> you, that could be your omen rather than George the cat. Um,
0: and while we wait, here, I'm just going to do something I can look like hit the the shadow that keeps playing from the microphone. So if I can just get it in the right. Unfortunately,
1: <laughs> <way>. <laughs> people listening <laughs> have no idea.
0: Okay. I'll take a, <laughs> take. a photo. I'll get a, I'll get a screen grab. <laughs> from,
4: from um. Okay, I would have to say. So, you know, the really famous painting of Henry VIII when he's in his full plumy hat and By Holbein. massive, massive, yeah, and the yep. massive coat. You know the chain that he wears with all the, oh, red, yeah. the rubies in it. Oh, yeah. I'll say that.
1: That's a good one.
0: That's a good one. A yeah, yeah.
4: bit of bling. bit of bling. Yeah. It'll probably be so heavy and I'll be on the floor crawling with it,
0: but I'll wear it. <laughs> See, I came up with it. I don't know why I came up with this answer, but if you could verify because I've been illness does this to people, but I've been watching um that uh, clips from uh that US series porn stars, you know, uh P A W N, I should say, in Las Vegas, <laughs> where you know they He's be, been
1: watching it endlessly you know, lying next on, to me <laughs> in
0: bed um and they they try and you know they say this is you know, George Washington's fingernail or whatever and they've got a, oh something like that i thought it would be cool to have the stone that that the that david took goliath out with if you could oh, yeah
1: that would be quite fun yeah but you we we talked about this at dinner time last day, and i said that's fantastic and that's great but you go into a pawn shop and say i've got goliath's stone here what what can you give me for yeah, it they just laugh you out to... the shop no, it <laughs> <wouldn't>.
0: <laughs> and then there'll be the clip where they, they they're speaking to camera if this is really the stone that killed Goliath it could be worth a lot of money
1: <laughs> if, it, if it's from his garden it's worth nothing
0: <laughs> okay cool i'm going to call a man down here He'll
1: know about it. <laughs> a stone expert <laughs>
0: There he is uh david is this the stone you
1: killed
0: (laughs) (laughs) sure looks like it (laughs) i'm not sure david i do i
1: do own a bit of the berlin wall i should add oh wow that's pretty cool
0: yes i do it's upstairs
1: somewhere yeah
0: wow I think my, this this thing about this podcast is i learn about my, my lovely partner here. every day every time we do a podcast I you didn't know so about much. the ouija board you no, didn't know you about, didn't the, know
4: about the berlin board. wall no no i think his face told a thousand stories when you said you did a ouija board.
1: <laughs> we did it at school as well we were in the sixth form we used to do it quite often actually like a totally homemade sheet of paper where we just yeah. wipe the... Oh, paper. yeah, sheet of paper and the glass. Yeah, but it worked. Yeah. Mm. It was very spooky. Yeah.
0: Well, I, the, <laughs> I, the, the reason I sort of reacted to the Ouija board thing uh, as we draw this interview to a close <laughs> um, was I worked with a, a... He's a very famous presenter. And he... Uh, well, without giving too much away, he's been in the papers this week because he's signed a massive deal to move from one... Oh, I know. I won't say, but I know. Five. Um, but he has very strong Christian beliefs. And uh someone mentioned Ouija board, Ouija board to you know in the office. And he immediately stood up and walked out. He said, I can't have even that mentioned in front of me. Really? I find it, I find it too offensive. You know, you're dealing with forces you don't understand and all this sort of stuff. So you know, it's funny. Even somebody as uh, famous as they now are, um, yeah, uh, and obviously in the role that you play as a news presenter, you actually to sort of balance. them. He, he just freaked out. Yeah, totally. It was really weird.
1: I could understand that. It's quite scary when the glass shoots across the room. Yeah.
0: It's bad luck <laughs> yeah. when
2: the cat gets. Someone
1: said that about my book actually, because obviously the front cover of the book at
4: the moment, because it's going to mm. get a new cover,
2: yeah. is
4: of um, in my head. It is the paper Ouija board with and mm. and some of it's burnt. And, and and um someone actually commented saying, I will not be reading this book because you do not invoke uh, the devil or something like that. Yeah. I was like, wow, I didn't expect such a strong, I just I, I mean I probably shouldn't have laughed, but I sort of laughed because I was like, wow, that's such a strong opinion not to even read a book. But um
1: yeah, found that quite amusing. Mm.
3: Yeah,
1: I got a reaction from somebody, yeah. and that, and then you've succeeded. You've got yeah, a reaction, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Which we probably yeah. will do on this on this podcast uh, this week. We better we better put a warning in actually in the in the blurb. <laughs> yeah, this 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 podcast, ref, you know, uh, contains references to the occult and cats,
1: cats, <laughs> and Gordon Ramsay.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> and naked Mary Berry. Oh my god, yeah, that is a shocker.
0: <laughs> Too much. <Right. laughs> Zoe, uh, thank you so much uh, for being, uh, spending so much time with us. Um, given uh, please thank
1: your daughter as well for being so tolerant.
4: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, no, guys, thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. My face actually hurts from laughing.
3: Well, that's
1: can we uh, quote you on the you. website?
3: Yeah, that's why I went
1: on the podcast, it. and my face hurt at the end <laughs> from laughing. Pat. Make sure you put that
0: in. <laughs> <laughs> like my face hurts from listening to your
4: podcast,
0: or indeed <laughs> David Stone <laughs> being lobbed in a modern setting. Or like what? I don't know. We've we've really gone and <laughs> jumped the shark again this week on the Hopcast book show. But Zoe Leo it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for having me. We've made a new friend.
1: We have. We well we make a new friend every week, don't we?
0: Yeah, that's that's the what we're actually doing this for. It's like a dating service when we do the podcast. <laughs> we want to make new friends. And um it, it was an interesting phenomenon. I mean, I think we mentioned it in one of the LBF shows to have authors like David Gatwood, who is a massive indie author. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and JD Kerr running on our, behind us. On, our beh- on his behalf to try and get him on the show because uh, JD had given such a great write-up as to, you know, how we do what we do.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, which is wonderful. It's really, that was very, very kind of him and also, um, well, it gave us goosebumps, really, to think that somebody of his calibre enjoyed it so much as I to know. recommend it to his, his lovely, contemporaries. We've got some, uh, some great dates coming up for you. Next uh, couple of weeks, we're going to be actually attending a- another event um this time uh, i'm gonna play a very small role in presenting robert Dawes to a, a, a massive audience we think at the tunbridge wells literary festival
1: yes so we're going to tunbridge wells
0: we are we are so that'll be the sunday night so we'll do a podcast off the back of that some great names at this appearing at this uh, event including somebody who i know from cambridge and when i lived there and um she did me her name is melissa Fu. she's got a new uh literary novel about uh sort of modern china starting in 1938 now melissa um was a fellow parent at our village school and i, I did a, a, a big quiz night a game show night really and she was my special guest on our generation game round where you had uh, two minutes to learn a skill and then demonstrate that you could do what she'd shown them and she did origami beer mugs <laughs> imagine the chaos that ensued after that's that
1: that's such a useful life skill isn't it yeah, you're down the pub brilliant. and they've run out it, hell,
0: of, of it, cups it was amazing you know she made this origami beer mug and she was still drinking from it at the end of the evening no problem at all but it has to be said some of the team captains were not quite as successful so I'm really looking forward to seeing her because you know that's a it was an unexpected thing to find that someone you know I randomly knew through that connection is going to be at the literary festival appearing in her own world. right yeah and um, there are other big names there David or Joe Brand other two sort of headline names, and of course, Robert Doors.
1: Oh, Robert Dawes, yes.
0: Yeah, so that's one. And then uh, we've got uh, Crime Fest coming up at the end of May. Oh, which, yeah. Which we're really looking forward to, which is our first Crime Fest uh, down in Bristol. Um, so lots to look forward to. And we're going to, um, what's it called, the Southwold event?
1: Oh, um, um, slaughter. slaughter. Slaughter in Southwold.
0: Yeah, one of our favourite spots, and of course the home of Lynn Laversha. If you haven't read her uh, first book, you must Blood Notes is fantastic and uh, we've got Blood Lines coming, coming out.
1: out very soon
0: very very soon on the 10th of May yeah so incredibly soon and it's a great book as well um, two fabulous novels but all of our novels you can find at our website www.hobeck.net and also all of our audiobooks enter a world of great stories from Hobeck audiobooks from authors including Mark Whiteman Linda Huber Malcolm Hollingdrake, Essie Shepherd, Ollie Jarvis, A. B. Morgan, and Robert Dawes. Tamara Sullivan once more gave up on the book in her hand. She leaned back in her seat, closed her eyes, and prayed that the two and a half hour flight would bring less turbulence than the last few months of her life had managed to generate.
1: Lottie's hands fought their way back to his hair.
2: With a yank, she almost
0: removed an entire clump. Stop the bloody car now, D.C. Bradshaw. That's an order.
1: I squeezed the steering wheel to stop my hands shaking and leaned forward to give myself the clearest view of the road. Last week I was looking forward to a holiday. Last week I had
0: a future. She dreaded the answer to her next question. But why me? You must be aware that I haven't accepted any work for three years. You'd never request someone who'd been out of the game for so long. Unless. She stopped. Unless I had some special skill.
1: Daria leaned over to kiss Evie's damp little forehead, then jerked back in horror as a long, deep horn blared and headlights from an approaching lorry swept through the cab. A single, sickening scream left Daria's soul as Evie's rucksack scratched across her face.
0: Betancourt waved a languid hand. Later, he pulled away the cover. Working like a camera, this detective's eyes took in everything. The woman was young, probably early 20s. Prissy, Hobeck Audiobooks. We know the power of great storytelling. We do.
1: We do. And while that was playing, I was fascinated watching the ants busy at work <laughs> on the pavement. Well, not the pavement, the patio. I love <coughs> ants. You do? Yeah, because st- I think they're much more intelligent than we give them credit for.
0: Yeah, I mean, they they are remarkable, what they can achieve collectively. Much like us at Hobart Books and our <laughs> wonderful authors. So, I mean, let's just reflect on the week that's been with the COVID. Um, I mean, as ever, you have worked as hard as you possibly could and I
1: was worried the empire would collapse, so if we were both
0: in bed. No, I mean, yeah, I've had a, I pr- probably portionally had quite a bit more time in bed, and, um, but I have done things. But I it's, did.
1: I lay in bed with the laptop.
0: Yeah, you did. <laughs> um, amazing, how much work you've got done, and um, I've been working through sort of the long term stuff that uh, you know needed to be done, but in fits and starts, I suppose. I mean, you know, it's it a couple of hours reading a manuscript might put me to bed for two hours that's how tired i felt but um yeah with the sun beating down on us it feels more optimistic we haven't got any kids next week so no. that's um i know that's sad that always makes you sad <laughs> don't cry please um but it does mean that we're you know if we were free of covid we'd be a little bit more footloose and fancy free and we can you know i think we need to uh you know it's been a it's been really frustrating. One of the authors um, wrote to us this week when we revealed we had COVID and said, how frustrating in terms of, you know, coming back from London Book Fair, no doubt brimming with fresh ideas that we can't implement because we're too tired. Um, it was a bit like that, yeah. But also I think that London Book Fair, as you may have picked up from our three episodes there, was more challenging than we really imagined. Mm-hmm. And I think that it is, it's a club london book fair in terms of the things we really wanted to achieve around rights it's a club everyone knows each other and they don't know us and that was tough to break through and i'm not well we're going to have to take another run at it yeah it's the truth of it, it
1: was a bit like when you turn up to a party with your friend and you know you're not going to know anyone it was a bit like that wasn't it yeah
0: but we didn't have that friend to go sort of Rub shoulders with and, and introduce people. Well, no, the know. problem
1: is your friend immediately gets off with someone and spends their evening with them, so you're left on your own. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> analogy. Yeah. That,
0: that's that's a that's a little bit how it felt, but it was like I don't know. It, I, I observed when we did get into the rights section, not knowing that that was a fluke. Um, the way people conduct themselves in those environments—it's a very very alpha environment people with you know real power dressers and uh there was one particular woman from a from a film rights agency you know so book to screen kind of thing and she had the most dramatic pair of glasses that dame edna Everage would not consider wearing i mean they were a statement
1: maybe that's what we need for next year we need to get some dramatic glasses well,
0: <coughs> possibly <laughs>
1: <coughs> i've made him cough now yeah, yeah
0: yeah yeah you're supposed to cover that anyway never mind um what do you, mean cover that? you know just talk while i'm I coughing. Did. kind of yeah all right <laughs> um no i in bbc studios we used to have a cough button um so that the mics would go dead and you could allow you to clear your throat and then carry on uh but, but unfortunately i don't have that facility here
1: well uh, i think they know we've had covid i think they'll they'll put up with a couple of coughs
0: yeah Anyway, um, I think the the thing about it is is that really, you know, you have a successful London book fair six months out is the truth of it uh, by essentially putting the deals or getting the contacts you need ready
3: mm-hmm. for
0: your arrival, and uh, you know that's a valuable lesson to learn. It's not somewhere you can just casually bowl up and and start those conversations at all. Um, but we we gained a lot more from sort of the connections we made with a number of smaller publishers like ourselves all of us with the same issues and conundrums and perhaps one or two solutions to offer each other
1: Mm. that Uh, was very valuable yeah
0: so there's strength in numbers there and and the feeling that you know we're not alone in in, and feeling like a a minnow in the in the the shark tank um which london book fair let's be honest is how it's designed to feel
1: yes you do i think i think i would say about 75 percent of the people there felt like that
0: yeah um, and the other 25% don't give one about the little people. <laughs> they if-
1: probably used to. Though. I mean, you know, people go every year and they've been going for years and years mm, and years. And-
0: yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, it is it is an industry where it's who you know to some extent, even to get a book deal. That's part of it. That's what we're trying to break down. Um, but the, the the fact is that the traditional industry is a closed shop and it they jealously guard their right to be so. And, um, you know, we, that's what we're working against. And, you know, you could argue, and I think that if you, if you were to take the example of the indie community that we met, there's a whole lot of people there who, at least on face value, say, I don't really care what the trad industry thinks of us because I'm making more money than they are. Um, and that's great for them. But actually, deep down, that's not what they're thinking at all. Most of them are trying to get deals and getting their books into shops, and some of them are succeeding so
1: and um, i could understand that it's like a dream it, it's still perceived as the dream isn't hmm. it for a writer
0: yeah so you know lots of things that we took away from it apart from covid um and hopefully the week to come will give us the energy and the opportunity to Ooh. do something ah, it's a good way to finish aki come and say hello to the microphone
1: No, I think she's looking for a sunny spot to she bask in, on, on and f- it's on your feet.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much, Aki. For keep- I'm already warm enough. But anyway,
1: But it's quite cute. I wish I had a phone to take a picture. We
0: should actually. If you, yeah, I've got a phone, but anyway, anyway, it doesn't matter. We're dragging this this podcast longer than we need to. So that was show sixty-seven of the Hobcast Book Show. We'll be back next week. Uh, we've got a guest lined up, but to be confirmed.
1: To be confirmed, because I just need to pin the guest down. So I don't want to mention who he is yet.
0: Good. Uh, but it'll be a really interesting, uh, you know, fresh perspective on the publishing scene that we haven't approached before, yeah. um, like we do every week. That's what we're trying to do with the Hobcast Book Show, is to bring you the stories of our week, our lives, uh, great, you know, interviews with people who are making a splash in the industry and, and finding their way into it, and to openly discuss the issues that affect all independent publishers and small you know independently published authors as well yeah uh around the world and to help um you know share perspectives on what might work and some of the things that don't and uh, that's what we do so join us again next week on the hobcast book show don't uh forget of course to subscribe to us if you've enjoyed this podcast it's been a bit of a marathon i must admit <laughs> but um we uh you know but that's uh, covid fog for you and our website, net has details of all of our authors, our audiobooks, our blogs. The whole package is available there. We'd like to see you there. And please subscribe. We've got tons of free content for you, free books for you, and short stories and all sorts. So that is uh, an opportunity waiting for you at hobeck.net. Let me uh, then wind up the show by saying I'm Adrian Hobart.
1: He is, and I'm Rebecca Collins.
0: She is, and together we have covid and together, oh, we run Hobart Books. Uh, we both like to wish you a wonderful, uh, COVID-free...
1: Happy Easter!
0: Happy Easter and, of course, a creative week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Hobcast from Hobec Books with Adrian Hobart and Rebecca Collins. You can find the show notes at our website, www.hobeck.net. You can also use the exclusive Hobcast discount code for any of the products at our Hobeck online store. Just enter the code HOBCAST20 for a 20% discount. Don't forget to subscribe to the Hobcast and feel free to contact us with any feedback. Until next time, remember our motto, Trad Values, Indie Spirit.